I think you have to tap into the high parts of your story to see how it's going to be so good. So when I say that things as God uses your deepest pain as launchpad for your greatest calling, so the purpose in your life is tapping into the places you may not want to tap into, but that's going to bring ultimate healing to you, which can be used for ultimate healing of other people. Do you want to wake up feeling like you are stepping into who you are meant to be? Into the best possible version of you? What if I told you that the key to your best life, health, and happiness are all around you? You just have to find what works for you. I'm Hope Pedraza, and I believe that there isn't just one way to live a healthy and meaningful life, and that all you need is a little inspiration to make changes that last from the inside out. Each week, I'll be sharing tangible tips and inspirational interviews to help you on your journey. These are the steps to take to improve your life and live with purpose. This is Hopeful and Wholesome. Hey, y'all. Welcome to Hopeful and Wholesome. Thanks so much for listening today. Today, I have on MFA Rudkin. She is an international role model for the deaf and hard of hearing community and the founder of a nonprofit, Aid the Silent. She has made it her life's mission to speak for economically disadvantaged deaf children and teens to really reach their full potential and live life to the fullest which is exactly what she's doing herself. She's really one of the sweetest, most passionate people I've ever had the pleasure of meeting. Her life is the ultimate testimony to overcoming challenges and obstacles and not letting those hold you back from your purpose. Her story is for sure going to inspire you and will most definitely brighten your day. Y'all enjoy MFA. Give her a follow and take a look at her nonprofit. See how you can help contribute to that. Y'all enjoy. All right, y'all. So let's get going. I am so excited to bring on MFA today. She is really an inspiration and living with purpose. It just totally connected everything we talk about here on this podcast. And so we're going to talk about her and her journey and her cause, Aid the Silent, everything else she's doing. She's doing a lot of amazing things. So thank you so much for joining me today, MFA. Hey, thanks for having me. I love how social media, you can meet online friends. Totally. We're going to be friends, but we're not met yet. Exactly. It's so true. I love that. Yes. So I typically like to save the like personal journey stories for a little later. We start talking, but I feel like we can't talk about anything else, including your foundation until you talk about your story and your journey on living with hearing loss. So can you just give everyone the long or short version? It's your choice. Your uh, journey with hearing loss. Thank you for asking about that. I mean, really my life went to so much learning what it was to live with something that the world sees as a disability and how God is going to use that because so much of what I've experienced from being a young child is realizing that life just isn't fair. And it's hard to find out when you're so young. And most people, you're older when you find out life is hard and difficult. But really, my earliest memories are being four years old and realizing that there was such a barrier between me and so many of my friends and education and just the world around me was really limited. So I found out I had hearing loss. My parents found out when I was about three is when I believed I lost my hearing. And it just radically changed the course of my entire family's life because 90% of deaf children are born to hearing parents. So, I'm not crazy. So, really, a lot of times, that family, that's the first time they've met someone deaf if they're on travel. There's a really lot 
altering thing, especially if you've never been around it, you have no idea what to right. do. Yeah. It's really overwhelming. And so I was the first child together. It was just basically they described that time period as this out of body experience because all of a sudden you're going to some doctor's appointment, speech therapist, you're having to get hearing aids. So I was very much just taking an approach called listening and spoken language. And now I sign. So now I'm like a fluent signer also. So I do both as an adult. But younger, I just had speech. So to give you a picture of my world, um, I would sit in front of a mirror with a speech therapist for hours and just mimic what she was doing in the mirror. Wow. To move my mouth like she was moving it. Like how? To um, put my hands on her lips or on her throat. And you would blow the vibrations of different sounds. So a lot of times people don't know that hearing loss is not anything to do with amplification. Right. So that's, uh, people think, oh, if I speak louder, right. if I slow down. So a lot of times they try to over-enunciate, they try to shout. That doesn't help at all. That actually makes it more difficult to understand. So hearing loss has to do with missing sounds, um, like speech sounds. So if you look at speech or the alphabet, most of it is like a, the sounds in speech like CH, SH, and K, S's. So what happened with me is I lost all of my high-frequency sounds. Mm. So if you translate that into the alphabet or like a speech board, you see that I'm missing so much of the high-frequency sounds, which is most of the alphabet, really, with high frequencies. But as an adult, I've lost more low-frequencies. So I have about 15 to 20% of hearing left, and that's it. So it progressively got worse as you got older. Wow. Mm-hmm. That was what was really weird as an adult was all of a sudden I just had this massive drop and it really had an effect on my mental health. Sure. Um, a lot of things I struggled with. So my story as a child was I overcome this incredible difficulty being in isolation and being behind in education. I spent so much of my childhood trying to catch up with anybody else comprehension level was on so I had years of speech about 10 years straight of intensive speech from the time I was 3 to 13 but to kind of give you a picture of how limited my world was there were three words I could not say until I was about 13 years old so I could not say hamburger computer or napkin correctly wow those are words I couldn't say and those are basic simple words but I just had no idea how you pronounced it. Yeah. So what happens is you become extremely embarrassed about saying yeah. things correctly. Yeah. So you kind of avoid the words you know you can't say, right. Right. which limits your connection, it limits your ability to express yourself. So you feel kind of trapped. Um, but you can imagine someone like Colin Collar and her story, she had no language for a long time, no way to express herself. So you're just kind of trapped in that space, your own self, and that that relational connection. So that's the wound of deaf people's hearts, is that they're missing out on that relational connection and with real people and being understood and understanding someone. And Helen Keller had this beautiful quote that I always love to think about. And she was asked once in an interview, she was asked, since you have both perspectives of being blind and deaf, 
and which is worse, which one would you think is worse? And she said, blindness separates me from the material and things, but deafness separates me from people. So that's the relational side. So that is the cry of my heart. And then and about the time I was 14 years old, I had a radical life-changing summer. But I went to this summer camp, and I heard for the first time that I was made with purpose, beautifully made, that my story was going to be used to help all sorts of people. And so I really believed and held on to the fact that God would give me joy and that he would give me purpose. So when I came back from that summer, about the time I was 14, everybody noticed something was different. And the way that they described it was that they saw that my face was different and who I was was different. So I started growing more and more and pursuing things that were on my heart as my biggest dreams, the things that I was afraid of, like standing in front of people or acting, um, speaking in front of people. All of a sudden, I gained this great confidence. And a part of that was just believing that my story would be used to help people, which grew into what Aid the Silent is and what my organization does is I was only 18 years old when I started it. Wow. So terrifying. No idea what I was doing. Had no money. I basically was forced advertising and how I did it. But I totally <laughs> was making stuff up, honestly. So the website literally said, apply for resources now. We would give channels, classroom equipment, something called an FM system that helps a kid hear the teacher, summer camp, speech, sign language. I was promoting that we could give this with no money. So it was crazy, 18, no idea. So that, it just grew so quickly that it's just crazy how it all started. But someone gave me, I think it was $5,000 in the very beginning. And that was just like, that was literally the cost of what a paid handmaid is. Wow. And I'm offering all of this. I'm thinking, how do I leverage, how do I multiply this right. little amount that I've been given to do so much grander thing, the thing that I was falsely advertising? So I came up with a campaign after getting so many letters from kids that were struggling with being deaf or embarrassed about their speech or handmaids. So I came up with this campaign called Hashtag Share Your Aid. Share your hearing aid, share your cochlear implant. Mm-hmm. And then when we first started doing it, I said, a donor up to 5000 would give $5 per post. So about two weeks later, I'm thinking this is not working. Nobody's participating. I'm a failure. My very first thing is a fail. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of two weeks, I started going all over Texas. It went viral in the United States. Wow. And then it started going to other countries. That's so amazing. Different languages. Oh it went God. all over the world. And that's what gave the organization an international footing. It exposed me to so many kids all over the world. And, and so I was able to start doing applications and fundraising. We had to hire people that summer. And so... As a young 18 year old girl, I had to do something so scary that I was not equipped for, had no school sets for. 
that now Ava Silent is five years old. Wow. And so we've serviced this, this past year, we serviced 229 children with Henry Cross. Amazing. That so directly impacted their lives. Yeah. Um, so it's just crazy to look back and be like, wow, I didn't know at 18 years old that I was doing, but now totally. we've impacted that many lives. Right. It's yeah. Totally. So when you're servicing these kids, what exactly are you providing for them? That 200, whatever that you've helped so far? So it's all over the map. So it can be a aid, which is typically not covered by insurance, or the families that we're servicing are typically with Medicaid. Mm. But now what's happening with Medicaid is they are not reimbursing the audiologists and doctors enough for them to even break even. So with Medicaid, it actually costs the audiologist sometimes about a thousand dollars out of pocket to accept it. That's so it's a, it's a messed up system because the way they factored the cost isn't taking into account all the additional fitting fees yeah. and mold. They just don't take into account the whole cost. Yeah. So that's happening behind the scenes with that. So we kind of have to we help bypass a lot of the not broken systems, but they're not effective systems. Mm-hmm. So by the time the child finally gets the service, they've missed that important window of early intervention of utilizing that technology in the first place. So we kind of come in and bypass a lot of the broken systems to help. We do hearing aids. We help with something called an FM system which is a device the teacher wears or a speaker on a field trip, even at home or kids that have after-school sporting events, they wear that mic. It cuts out the background noise for that child and it brings it into the hearing aids directly. That's an amazing piece of technology. And we help with sending kids to summer camp. So we have a big high school group that goes every summer, middle school group, and then now we're looking at elementary local camp. Then, so kids come over and we have a fully accessible camp week. So they have captioning, interpreting, they have counselors and leaders who sign fluently. Um, so they just feel really included in what's happening wherever they end up at camp. And then a big part is we have, um, it's called Deaf Education Enrichment. So we help fund field trips for deaf kids. We provide the technology and the interpreting, captioning. So we have this technology we use um, that's basically a subwoofer, mm. and it shows the vibrations of music or sound. So we'll take deaf kids to go see a ballet, and then they feel the music as it's happening, and that's they sing so cool. So just a lot of different parts. Um, we're one of the few organizations for hearing loss that serve us both sides. So we'll support you, fund you to go learn sign language, which is the more strong deaf culture side. And then we'll help with the speech therapy and the technology side, which is what's called um, oral, mm-hmm. so listening and spoken language side. So we've also become this, this bridge between two different sides of the deaf community that normally don't get along. So it's normally a separate thing. You don't get both. Not typically, you don't see both together. That's crazy. 
So what we do is we have a lot of events that are that the awareness. So we have the people that have grown up and only signed their entire lives. And the primary language is ASL. And then you kind of have people like me where I'm in the middle. I can kind of do both. And then you have the strong, only speech, only hearing aid side. That's interesting. So for you growing up, what was, I mean, I can only imagine just the struggle, the number of struggles that you had. What was the biggest struggle or obstacle for you when you were growing up? I think it was believing that I would never come much, you know, and what my parents instilled in me was a very different message. It was like, you can do anything and you can succeed and we're going to give you resources, but you still hear that little bit of a lie of, I'm not enough and I can't overcome what I'm experiencing. So it was everything. I mean, it was friendships. I would think I wasn't invited to a sleepover. So all weekend long, I would be devastated. And then come Monday, you find out they told me that I just didn't hear. Oh, no. That would happen a lot. Or in school, I would have to go and try to pay attention all day long. My eyes would be so exhausted from lip reading. I would have what's called listening fatigue so bad. So you should be cool. That has to be exhausting. It's exhausting to try to lip read and use your ears. Yes. And so all day. And then... I would still miss so much. Mm-hmm. I would have to take on textbooks and reteach myself school. Okay. So everybody else maybe took an hour to do homework or whatever. Okay. And me, it was taking like five hours. Gosh. So it was just an extremely t- a difficult time just believing that I wasn't smart enough, that I struggled so much more than my friends. I really struggled with depression from an early age. Um, now that I know kind of more about mental health, the um, doctors say that my depression, a clinical major depression started when I was probably 11 years old. Wow. Which is pretty upsetting, I think, that young of a child experiencing that much mental health struggles. That was going to be my next question because I was thinking when you were talking about that, I mean, that has to take a toll on you mentally. So what kind of support did you get like what and what kind of support do y'all offer that kind of support too with aid the silent like the mental health aspect of it yes it is something that is a reoccurring thing among all deaf children and there is hardly any resources out there for this so constantly i'm looking for partnerships Mm -hmm. with organizations um there's a few here in san antonio that we've met with and there's a few that are very willing to the point a very well-known organization for mental health that has counselors. They have a woman that's so passionate that she's actually going to school right now to become like a certified interpreter. Oh, wow. So I think there's a movement happening. Yeah. The, the big school and DC, they now have a degree for deaf people to become counselors. And, but, you know, Anyone who's deaf can go to any type of counseling service and hire an interpreter and that, that practice would have to. For me, how it started happening was, I mean, I think I know it started when I was really young, but when I started noticing it, it was probably around the time of being 18. That's when I noticed how bad it was. And it would get to the point I couldn't leave my bed. And a lot of it was related to not hearing. So I would just be so exhausted. I really didn't want to try. Or 
I would have another big hearing drop and just be so depressed. And it was really taking a toll on me. And it would last so long, too. So my senior year of high school was when I think it finally was to the point my family started getting involved. But it was going on probably from July all the way to January. It was very, it was very calendar. Like every year, I'm like, kind of thing, it was happening to me. And I could hardly get out of bed. I felt like, you know, that out of body experience, you're not in the room kind of thing. Right. was going on. But every year, I was like, okay, it would be better this year. You know, this year, I'm going to join a Bible study or I'm going to do, I'm going to develop a better habit or I'm going to fake it, try and make it. <laughs> but then this, you know, 2019, it was to the point I was having panic attacks every single day, like five times a day, wow. a three months straight. My God. And so I had to, which is very vulnerable, but I'm pretty open to talk about it. But oh, maybe it was 2018. No, it was 2018. So two years ago, I was going through this. Mm-hmm. So panic attacks all the time. And it's all related to the depression. It's all related. Yeah. So I had anxiety and depression mm-hmm. without knowing what was going on mm-hmm. and so it was to the point that one night it was so out of control that I was driving and completely lost sense of where I was I had no idea where I ended up I somehow like, drove myself to the hospital I thought something was wrong with me mm-hmm. and because when you're having a panic attack sometimes you literally think you're dying like you're yeah. having a heart attack right. right and so I somehow drove myself to the hospital lost my car and I did like I left my car in the street come to find out later yeah it was quite oh, people crazy. have no idea how bad it was yeah so when I got help I went to a counselor then I went to a doctor and then I was so determined to get better that I practiced every single thing they suggested immediately I got medication and the medicine I mean it's not like this for everybody. Yeah. But for me, it was like a week in, I was having a significant improvement. That quick. Which is amazing. Because wow. most of the time, it's like a month or yeah. three months. Yeah. But I felt such a difference and so much relief and pretty instant. And then, so one of the biggest examples I can give is that a lot of my depression and anxiety attacks came from kind of what I talked about in the beginning, a missed relational connection. So when I would dig deeper to figure out why I had one, it always had to do with someone in a coffee shop or someone in work, someone out and about was trying to talk to me. And I either pretended to be disinterested and rude or I pretended to understand and really didn't have a connection. Mm-hmm. We kind of brush it off. Right. Or just look at them like, why are you talking to me? But really it was because I couldn't hear. Yeah, hear him, right. So that was where the panic attacks were pointing back to, but that I was being someone I'm not, yes. which is just interested in not connecting. And so the counselor recommended catch that habit in the moment and correct it. And you know, do what you used to do, which is to explain your hearing loss and use it as a teaching point to teach them about your hearing loss. So it got to the point that I would have to literally address it in that moment. And several times 
I would have that happen, but I would ignore someone or appear rude. I couldn't hear. I would get in my car and then realize what happened and then make myself go back in. Oh, wow. Yes. Horrible. <laughs> but, it worked. but I sat with them again and I would tell them, I'm sorry I appeared rude. Your life matters to me. What you said matters. I'm actually deaf. Can you say it again? And then I would have to go through all of that several times. And it became normal again to tell people, yeah. I'm hearing loss. Yeah. I can't hear you. Can you write that out for me? Yeah. Can you type it in your phone? Right. Can you try saying it again? So uh, just that combination of things with life changing, I've been better since then. That's awesome. Like the first year, I've not gone back into that depression. And I've stayed pretty level, really healthy. But yeah, a lot of it has to do with pain loss and being understood. Sure. So what we do with teenagers, we have a, month, a weekly teen group that meets. And we talk all about our stories and hearing loss and we do things and activities through an organization called Young Life. Yeah. So we and we have Deaf Young Life. How cool. It's just so fun. But that's helped a lot, I think, with the teens yeah. and the mental health. Yeah. Having that yeah. Well, and I imagine, I mean, just thinking when you're a teenager, I mean, you have zero perspective on life, right? Like everything's a big deal. So I can imagine how much that mindset, that depression really affects those kids as teenagers. And then they're just carrying like you, I mean, you just carried it with you out of your teenage years because there was nothing to address it. Yes. So it's just critical because I love when I know that I am a, a whole and healthy person because there's so many things I'm doing now in my life that like I've taken on um, the way I am the executive director and grant writer, funder, or Ava Salad. Because beforehand, it was very much like, okay, I'm hands-on, mm-hmm. but I was a student and I was doing all these different things. Right. But all of a sudden, now I'm home complete to focus on this. And then I'm in my first serious relationship for the first time. Wow, I'm in such a different place because I did the hard work and it wasn't easy. Right. And I did the uncomfortable things because I knew my feeling was worth it. And that's kind of where people have to arrive to. Mm -hmm. You have to arrive to that nobody else can make you get help. And so the moment I decided to get help and I actually put to practice what professionals were saying, I mean, that changed my life forever. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. And how... Do you, where do you see Ava Silent going? Like, what are your future plans for the organization? It's growing so fast that I keep putting a timeline like, okay, five years, we'll do this. And then it happens a lot sooner. So, awesome though. Yeah, that's just so cool. I'm like, okay, it's (laughs) Right, right. It's wonderful. But one of the big goals is that we are going to start a capital campaign for headquarters for facilities. Because we do not have a solid place for a team, for kids to come gather. So a lot of what we need to set up is an audiological center so where kids can come in and be tested on site and to have speech therapy rooms, to have ASL community classes there, to have a deaf and life team group there, to have all the offices there. 
to have parent teacher conferences. So there's so much that we wanted to do that we really don't have the space to do it. Yeah. So that's the big vision is that we will really become a deaf youth, deaf children center. Yeah. Everybody can come in after school. We can have tutors there and mentors. We can have the, the therapist and the sign language teachers there with the families. So that's kind of the big vision for that. Yeah. And is to be able to help in that way. And are y'all doing that through fundraising? Like, how will you do that? A lot of it is finding the top-tier um, donors and meeting with partners in that way. And then it's also grant writing with people in the community. So that's kind of how it works. But the resource portion, just funding cameras and classroom equipment, all of that, that is a constant cost that, any of those resources can cost them like 2000 to 5000 per resource. Right. And so we really need support in that way because each time someone partners with us financially or with their talents, with their time, that's often a very tangible, real way for a particular deaf child. Right. So, so many of them, I mean, we have folders and folders of their names, their pictures, hearing loss history so that's where it comes in with the community is knowing that these are children a lot of them here and our own city of san antonio that need support um because that's that one thing that's going to change the pivot of their lives right the resources and having equal access to education changes everything for them for sure so when you were in school were you, like, in mainstream classrooms? Do you have any sort of, like, accommodations? I'm from a small town, and I went to a private school. But I had absolutely nothing apart from what my parents had to advocate That's insane. For. That's it's insane. You were, like, you were amazing. <laughs> I don't know how I did it. I don't like, either. That That's thing, it was survival. It was sure. a thing. It was, you. you had to. So yeah. I have no other option. And I love my school. It was very much willing to work with me and yeah. accommodate. But there was just nothing that people knew. Right. I mean, people did not. It's such a different world now, which I'm yeah. so thankful for. But I had very limited resources other than what my parents had to, you know, save up for right. it and right. find it. Mm-hmm. themselves to advocate for me. Right, right. So I had several... You know, hearing aids, you have to change hearing aids all throughout growing up. But they had to constantly do pay out of pocket and figure out how to finance it and do payments. Right. So it's just just a different world. I think I'm so grateful that I've experienced a lot of injustices and a lot of intense situations with needing to advocate, be an advocate, because now... I'm able to do that for some and for other people. people. Yeah, I mean, that's... I'm that patient. Yeah, so I think a lot of times people may just credit that, like, oh, her life has been put together, and they don't realize how much I have to fight through the system. Really? And how much I struggle with mental health. So it looks so beautiful, of course, on Instagram, <laughs> in my story, but nobody's... A lot of times people don't give me the benefit of doubt of, wow, this girl actually went through it and coming out the other side so I think it's important that when you look at someone's life 
you remember that they are looking this way now because they probably went through so exactly. much. Exactly. Exactly. I would, there was something the other day that I saw on Instagram and it was saying basically that is, is you see, you know, it was talking about businesses, but same thing, you're going through hardships and you don't see the journey of the struggle to get to this, you know, big thriving business. It's the same, right? With your personal journey. I mean, you've got this amazing foundation and this incredible testimony to tell, but you've got the struggle that led up to this point. I mean, it's... Oh, yeah. And struggle is now. Every yeah. something new that you experience, but people don't realize that I just have to fight not only for so many other people, but for myself, too. Yeah. And a lot of times, I'm the one that's the first one in to a situation. So whether it's like with a church or a conference or a technology thing, I have to be the first deaf person that's like, excuse me, but I tried to attend. I tried to use your service. Right. I can't access it. Your caption were not good or whatever. Yeah. So, and then it's like, I paved the way. Right. I'm the first one that had to do the hard stuff. Right. Yeah. But it's a good thing to be. It's a hard thing that's worth it. So. Yes. Yeah. Well, and it take. I think it takes a certain person to be able to use that as a like source of empowerment rather than, you know, something to hold you back. So I think that, I mean, it speaks to your character for sure. Oh, yeah. thank you. Yeah. That's so, good. That's true. Yeah. Well, so where can people find out more about, about your organization and how can they help? So it's aidthesilent.com and everything that you see from contact us to application that literally comes to my email browser mm-hmm. and many other people around me <laughs> that we very much are so hands-on from beginning to end but we have several events throughout the year such as a 5k we have a big fundraising gala we have deaf awareness events we have um, community events so constantly needing volunteers people to um, donate sometimes at school supplies or books something very practical and everybody on any type of level can get involved in. And then we constantly are looking for qualified ASL teachers. We're looking for speech therapists. We're looking for tech people, people that can caption, that know AD. So those are the kind of things I call talents. And then treasure is people going from their heart as if they felt compelled to be a part of a child's journey. And truly what coming in from people, it goes back to that child. Mm-hmm. See that direct line of impact. Right. And then another way is the time. So that's the volunteering at our event. That's even, we've had some people come and just bring us breakfast. And I was like, that's the greatest thing that's ever. So we got fed to do what we're doing. Right, right. So any little tiny thing, it means the makes a huge water difference for us. Yeah. And how we were talking earlier, there's some opportunities for people now while we're all stuck at home and looking for things to do. How can people kind of get involved in the deaf community right now? So it's cool to watch what's happening that's positive from something so payable. But I'm trying to really focus on some good things. But the hub of deaf education is a university called Gaiu Deaf in Washington, D.C. And it's very hard to get into classes, especially even online. So right now they're actually offering free ASL lessons 
on Gaida University. So it's cool. called ASL Connect. Do you free lesson plans about your basic signs and your alphabet, things like that? That's super helpful because you will be surprised that once you start having the awareness of the deaf community, you start to see them, mm-hmm. you start to hear about it, and you want to be able to use your alphabet and basic signs. Sure. And then another way to help is that what's happening is lower economic school districts everywhere, they can't afford the technology for their students because their students may not have internet or technology to access online schooling. So they're going to be really struggling right now. And a lot of the materials aren't captioned. They're not interpreted. So teachers of the deaf are having to scramble and figure out what to do instead. And so it's really important that the materials people are putting out there, that they're making the effort to caption them, or they're making the effort to interpret it, because that means the deaf children or deaf people right now, all this creativity is happening, all this entertainment, but it's not being accessible. So that's the biggest tragedy is that it's not equal access value value right now. Yeah, yeah. Those are great opportunities, though. I mean, I feel like everyone should... I mean, if we're not doing anything, why not do something that makes a difference <laughs> while we're yeah. at home, right? So if you take whatever you're making for the day and add the captions, add the interpreting, yeah. it really is helpful. There's a company that I use here called Caption Source. There's a national company called web.com, which is R-E-V.com. And I'll usually send them a video, and I think that's like a, maybe a dollar a minute or something. They will capture it for you. So there's there's a lot of uh, resources out there that people just don't know about. Even me and my service dog, I don't show him, he's asleep, but (laughs) I have a service dog named Hank, and he's my hearing dog. So we're doing these cute little, I have a picture. This is Hank. Oh my gosh. He's a black lab. He's adorable. Oh my gosh. So, so awesome. he and I have signing and reading time online. Oh, that's but, cute. So you're seeing so much creativity happen. Yeah. That, that's so great. That we've been able to do that. Yeah, that's so great. So I like to always finish with the same question for everyone. It's really interesting to get everybody's response. I feel like they're all different, but then all the same, like all at the same time. So my question is, what do you think is the most important change people can make are the most important thing they can do to live with purpose? To live with purpose. I think you have to tap into the hard parts of your story to see how it's going to be used for good. So one of my favorite things is God uses your deepest pain as launch pad for your greatest calling. So the purpose in your life is tapping into the places you may not want to tap into, but that's going to bring ultimate healing to you, which can be used for ultimate healing of other people. That is perfect. I love that. Thank but thank you. you for this. Yes, thank you. Thank you so much for giving some of your time. This is just completely inspirational. So I know people are going to be interested to learn more and get involved in the deaf community. I think this is so fantastic. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Thanks for listening to Hopeful and Wholesome, y'all. If you found value in this week's episode, please subscribe on iTunes wherever you get your podcasts and leave a review to let me know what you thought. I'd love to know what you find useful in these episodes so I know how I can provide the most value I can to my listeners. And if you have topics that you want to know more about, I'd love to hear those as well. 
So shoot me a message on Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn. It's at the Hope Pedraza, or visit my website, hopefulandwholesome.com. Thanks, y'all.